Well, I'd like to pray with you for a couple of minutes just as we prepare ourselves for communion. Let's pray. One of the first songs we sang today Acknowledge the triune nature of God. That you're one God who expresses himself in three distinct persons. And obviously, we can't fully comprehend the depth of that or how it works. But we acknowledge it. We see it clearly in scripture. And so, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you sent the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much that... When my sin was laid on him, you had to turn away. I can't imagine how hard that was. As a dad myself, I can't imagine. And Lord Jesus, how grateful we are that you were willing to come. And Spirit of God, how you point us to truth, how you point us to Christ, how you convict us of our need for relationship with God and and convict us of our sin. Just like we were singing about in this last song. And so we long to praise you today. All the focus has been on you, triune God. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. And as we look to acknowledge this town, would you be blessed? In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So we are gonna share communion today. And I wanna just talk for a few minutes to prepare you for that. And really what we're going to be doing is we're going to be acknowledging and celebrating the death of Christ for us. You heard the story read from John chapter 19 that Solo read to you. Let me just read four more verses that take us back just prior to the passage that he was reading as the historical count was read. So in 1 Corinthians, and you can turn with me if you'd like to on your device or in your Bible, your hard copy, to 1 Corinthians 11, beginning in verse 23. And the Apostle Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth, and he's quoting words that Jesus spoke, some of them anyways. And it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So this morning we've read about this, we've sung about this journey, and for many this is a familiar story, but for some it might be somewhat new. The historical account of scripture describes the Passion Week the events that led up to the false conviction and the execution slash murder of Jesus and how he went up to Jerusalem to make this sacrifice for us. 
And as you've heard me say before, the disciples heard him during their years together with him. They heard him talk about this different times. And they couldn't quite get their heads around what he was saying. Why does he keep saying this? And so they weren't sure why he was saying this, but they knew that based on the political climate and the opposition to Jesus, that it was deeply dangerous for him to go to Jerusalem. And so they urged him not to go. They were afraid that the Jewish priests were going to have him arrested and killed. They urged him not to go, but still he went. Why? Why did he do that? On different occasions, Jesus speaks prophetically. In other words, he's foretelling what's going to take place in the future. He speaks prophetically and he says, this is exactly what is about to come. And this will be in fulfillment of scripture. Jesus knew intimately, blow by blow and detail by detail, what was going to come and what was going to happen. And yet he came anyway. And you ask the question, why? In the hours before he was arrested, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, a place that he would often go with his leadership team. It was a place away from the crowds that followed him all the time, a place where he could retreat. And it's at night, and he's praying by himself. And he says to his heavenly father, is there another way? I know, he's saying, I know what's about to take place. I know who's going to do what to me and what's going to be said to me and how this is going to end during the day in the middle of the afternoon tomorrow. Is there another way, Father? And then he prays and he says, not my will be done, but your will, Father. He wasn't forced to do this. This was a strictly volunteer mission, which he chose to do for you. Why? He goes through a series of mock trials, manufactured trials. They've come and arrested him at night. He goes through a whole series of trials before the chief priest, before Pilate, before Herod, and then back before Pilate again. They've paid people to lie about him and to manufacture evidence and accuse him of things that he didn't do. And as we heard, as Solo read from John chapter 19, he stands there and he takes it and he doesn't defend himself. And even though they're telling ridiculous lies about him that contradict each other all the time, he doesn't point this out. He just stands there and he takes it. Even though Pilate knows and keeps stressing the fact, this guy is completely innocent. Even though he could have walked away at any moment in the process, he doesn't. And again, you ask why. At least I ask why. And the short answer is very simple. And yet, it's so profound that you could contemplate this for a lifetime 
and you would not begin to plumb the depths of it. And the simple answer, it's really represented in this painting over here that our worship arts team did here for us a couple of weeks ago. And I want you to just look at it for a minute. As we were singing, there's another copy of it on the other side. As we were singing, I was just staring at it, thinking about it. The simple answer to all those why questions is this. The cross equals love. The cross equals love. Love for you. Love for me. And I want you to think about that. If you're not looking at me while I'm talking, I'll just assume you're looking at that painting. The cross equals love. And verse 26 that I read reminds us the death of Christ on the cross shouts out to us the love of God for me and for you. And in a never-ending way, it just echoes through history. And at the heart of this, it's because God, who Scripture tells us, is absolutely holy, absolutely pure, untainted in any way. He looks at that which he's created, including us, and he sees men and women who make very deliberate choices repeatedly to turn their back on him that make very deliberate choices to rebel against him. The scripture uses that kind of language. It uses the language of sin. Not doing, the, doing the things we know we're not supposed to do or not doing the things we know we should. This is how the scriptures articulate it. And by doing this, we have individually and collectively as a race turned our back, all of humanity, on God and went our own way. And when we did that, and as we do that, God has this decision to make. And the decision is, do I walk away and abandon them to their fate? That's one of the great questions for the ages. Why he didn't do that? I can't figure that one out. But it walked away. Or do I provide the only way back into relationship with holy God? Understand that from a human perspective, there's absolutely zero motivation for God to do that for us. None. From a human perspective. None. Completely unmerited. Can never be earned. There's nothing you can do to make yourself acceptable to God. And God understood absolutely and very clearly that the only way was for God himself, who's totally holy, completely pure, and untainted by my sin or your sin, to make the journey and come here and take, the scripture literally says, take Scott's sin and takes your sin takes Ron's sin, takes Debbie's sin, takes Dennis's sin, takes Emery's sin, takes Louise's sin, takes everyone in this room and online, 
unto himself. And die in our place. When we have communion, these are things that we're keeping in mind. The cross equals love. And it's, it's indicative of God's kind of love, which is the exact opposite of human love. Human love is all based in the person I'm loving. I love them because of this or that or these things that they do or these qualities that they have. God's kind of love is the exact opposite. It's entirely based in the one doing the loving. Because there's nothing within us that would invite that action on our behalf. And so if we were to try and represent this with words, I simply use the words, the cross, the cross equals love. And so when we read the story of John chapter 19, where Jesus suffers one of the most brutal ways to die in history. And he's had my sin and your sin laid on him. And his father turned his back on him when that happened. Why he did this? It's simply because the cross equals love. And the, the pulsing question this morning is has your life been changed by that? Let me quickly tell you how and what I'm speaking about. I'm not talking about a list of do's and don'ts. It absolutely has zero to do with that. And that's completely foreign to our thinking. It's all about us acknowledging the emptiness that we have before him. It's acknowledging the fact that we have done those sinful things that Scripture speaks about. It's about us owning our stuff with no excuses, no minimization of what we've done, and, and actually being agitated or emotional or gripped by the sinful things we've done and acknowledging them and asking him to forgive us. It says in scripture, if we confess our sin, he, meaning Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I acknowledge my sin. I ask for, based exclusively on the actions of Christ, forgiveness and cleansing. And he offers it and gives it to me. He extends grace. And I surrender my life to him as a result of that. And when we do this, we launch a relationship with God based exclusively on what Christ did on the cross. Because the cross equals love. Love that I didn't deserve, but love that he freely gave. So we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, and as we take communion, it's a reminder, a powerful reminder of what Jesus did for us through the cross. 
As, it, as I read from 1 Corinthians 11, we're reminded by eating the bread. It says, this do in remembrance of me, that the bread symbolizes the broken body of Christ for you, how he was abused, how he was spit on, how he was punched in the face, how he was butt-ended with the end of a spear, how they drove thorns that are this big. I've seen the thorns in Israel. They're like that big and they're razor sharp, driven into his skull, flogged in such a way that they would beat you to within an inch of your life. And this is what the lector did, who did this for a living. He knew how to beat you until the flesh was flying. He went through all of this and had his body abused by that. And, and when we take the bread, we're remembering that work for us. And then we drink the juice, which reminds us and symbolizes that his blood was shed for me, that he atoned is the biblical term. It, he, he paid for in full my sinful actions. And it says there in 1 Corinthians 11 that in doing this, he established a new covenant. It's like a deal with God, a new deal with God. And, and God never goes back on his word. He never changes the parameters of, of the covenant. It's, it's in place for all eternity. And in just a moment, we're going to share communion together to remember this, to praise him for this, to acknowledge this, to celebrate this, to be reminded of this, to be shaped by this. And we're going to do this together. As Solo mentioned earlier, the children were given special communion packs that talk about this. But little ones, if you have some questions about this, this is a great way to have a discussion about God and what he's done for you. And so you could ask your mom and dad, or you could ask Pastor Justine. Pastor Justine and Mrs. Amethyst made those packages especially for you. And so a number of children in our church over the years have asked about this, and mom and dad have had the opportunity to introduce that little one to Jesus. And so if you have questions, you could ask your mom and dad, or you could ask Pastor Justine, so how is this going to work today? We're going to do it a little differently than we typically do. There's going to be actually three stations. And one station is just a station where you can come to be prayed for. You know, over the years, I've seen God do some really cool things during communion services. I've seen him heal people. I've seen him answer prayer for a variety of issues. I've seen people healed, different things like that. And so up here at the front, uh, Pastor Brian and Katrina and Pastor Justine are all going to be up here at the front to my right, your left. And if you'd like to be prayed for for any reason, come on up here. Just come one at a time and take your turn. And if there's a big crowd, we've got more people waiting to help if that's necessary as well. If you're here today and you have... You've never entered into a relationship with God like I described, and you'd like to ask about that, you could come and ask them. They'd be honored to tell you. You could ask the person you came with if they're a person that already has a relationship with Christ. So there's going to be a station up here to my right where you can come during the communion time to 
be prayed for, for any reason. Then there's these two stations at the front here. And what I'm going to have done is we're going to have two of our elders come, one at each table, and they will hand the communion to you. And if you know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, if you've entered into a relationship with him, remember, it's not based on anything you've done, just what you've received from Christ. You're invited to join with us in communion today. Now, you can come, and some people want to do this very individually and privately. Totally. You can come privately or individually. You can come with your friends or you can come with your family. We're going to ask you to just come up the center aisle and then split off and you can go to one of the two tables and then go back the aisles that are running up here in the middle section as well. Um, Let me just say, um, if you don't want to come, there's no pressure to come. This is a freeing time. Um, come up. There's, there's gluten-free bread here for those that need that. There's going to be tongs. They can hand you a piece of bread, or, and there's juice there. and there, There's options so that your level of comfort can be accommodated. Um, as you come the elder will remind you of the symbolism of what you're taking. And they will say this to you as they give you the bread, the body of Christ broken for you. And then as you pick up the juice, they will say the blood of Christ shed for you. As you're coming, we're going to be singing some songs just gently in the background, some worship songs. I'm going to ask you to just take your elements and return to your seat and just when you're ready, just partake there. Do it, as, you sa- as I said, individually or with friends or with family. As you're in your seat, as we're singing and as we're thinking, I invite you to take time to reflect on Christ's sacrifice for you. Look at the painting and reflect on that. Look at the cross with the white on it and reflect on that. Think back to the time in your life when you gave your life to Christ and pray and thank him for doing that. Thank him for changing your life and forgiving your sin. Thank him for the cross. Thank thank him that the cross equals love. I'm going to invite our elders that are going to help now to come. I'm going to pray for the elements and then just start coming. Just come up the center aisle, go to one of the two stations and then back to your seat. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, in many senses, are overwhelmed with what you did for us, and we're so deeply grateful for it. It always astounds me that you went through this whole process and you never spoke up to defend yourself. You just took it for me and took it for us. Thank you for that. Thank you that you allowed your body to be broken and abused and that the bread represents that. Thank you that you allowed them to spill your blood and the juice represents that. And so this morning, we take these elements in remembrance of these things saying, thank you, thank you for changing my life. Thank you for being with me every day. Thank you for eternity.
We pray these things now in Jesus' name, amen. Remember, if you want to be prayed for, we have three people up front here that would love to pray. Just start coming down the center aisle and you'll be helped at the front.